This is a Federal News Network podcast. The executive order's frenzy has tailed off. We know what the Biden administration wants for pandemic relief. So what next? Contractors are looking to see who will fill the crucial sub-cabinet appointment slots and how 2022 budgets will play out. Here with what else? The president and CEO of the Professional Services Council, David Berto. And David, what I wanted to start with was the idea of this $15 minimum wage, because there are people at that level in some services contracts. And if those contracts are at a fixed rate, what happens? I imagine your members are thinking about that. Tom, it's a powerful um, uh, dynamic that comes into play, but it doesn't affect all companies equally. As you know, in the services contract business, there's a lot of competition for top talent. And so for many companies and for many contracts, the base rate of pay is well above the $15 an hour minimum. But there are other contracts and other types of work where, in fact, the companies have bid and are performing contracts, often in a fixed price uh, contract environment uh, with much lower rates. And so uh, it, it doesn't affect companies equally, and it doesn't affect parts of the country and types of work equally. What many companies are worried about, though, is if there is a mandate for me to pay my employees more, how do I recover those costs if I have bids in that are at lower rates, if I have forward pricing rate agreements for my overhead structure that have lower rates built in, or if I have a fixed price contract where the government doesn't have any flexibility to pay me, pay me my increased costs. So these are questions not addressed yet by the administration, and we're raising those on behalf of our members. Of course, it's not reality yet, and the president says he wants it to happen over a period of time, but it's really a kind of a wild card at this point, I guess, on the political front. Look, I think almost all of us would like to make sure we are paying our employees a living wage, and so that's not the issue. The issue is uh, if, if companies have to absorb those increased costs and they have no way to get reimbursed for them, uh, they'll be put out of business. And, and similarly with uh, with paid leave, with increases in paid leave, if you don't get your costs recovered, the nature of government contracting is, in fact, the government bases its judgments on you, on your cost realism, and, and you have to get your costs recovered according to the, uh, you know, the standards that are in place there, the cost accounting standards that the government applies. All right. And uh, let's move to another issue since we can't resolve that one until they decide what the wage will be. Of course, it's going to make a lot of automated hamburger flipping machines come into the industry, I think, if they do go to that wage. And sub-cabinet nominees, deputy assistant secretaries, undersecretaries, all of the people that are really the wheels where the road of policy touches the administration. You're kind of waiting on some of them, too, that when we haven't seen that bumper crop coming in yet. We got off to a slow start with his cabinet nominees, in part because of, you know, the hiccups in the uh, transition period, and in part because the United States Senate uh, only last week reached agreement on the power sharing agreement that would allow committees to actually know who their chairs were and subcommittees to know who their chairs were, et cetera. You had the interesting phenomenon of the nominee to be the number two person at the Pentagon, uh, Dr. Kathleen Hicks. She had her hearing on Tuesday, and uh, the Republican uh, chair of the Armed Services Committee was still chairing it. By Thursday, when they brought it uh, up, the Democratic chair was now chairing the committee. Now, in armed services, there's always a lot of bipartisan approach to national security, so that's not so hard. But you're behind in in terms of doing this. And as you point out, it's the number twos in the agencies who are frequently running the internal business. The cabinet officer is the external face of the agency and oftentimes the policy setter, but it's the implementation and the execution that comes into play. For many agencies, we haven't even seen the official nominees announced yet, much less have their nominations submitted and and their hearings underway. So we're going to watch that very closely. And of course, we encourage 
uh, the administration to fill those billets quickly because they've got a fiscal year 22 budget to put together. We're speaking with David Berto, president and CEO of the Professional Services Council. And let's talk about that, that 2022 budget, because I guess we're waiting for a skinny proposal from the White House, first of all, to see what happens with how they want to change things. But Congress shows no inclination to really get started on anything anyhow. Tom, we have three different dynamics at work there that make this complicated. Number one is the outgoing administration did assemble proposed budgets for FY22, but they did not submit them to Congress. And so those budgets are, we haven't seen them. We don't know what the, what's in them. We've had reports that the defense budget was about a $12 billion increase over FY21 appropriations. And we would expect that the civilian agency budgets, as the Trump administration had done for five previous consecutive years, uh, was well below the appropriation level. Probably neither of those is going to be what the Biden administration submits, but you have to redo them in order to submit them. And to redo them, you've got to have the people in place to be able to get that going. We don't even have a director of the Office of Management and Budget. She hasn't even had a confirmation hearing, I think, today, actually. So, um, And on top of that, we don't have any agreement on Capitol Hill or between Capitol Hill and the, and the administration over what the numbers are going to be. And this is unusual because for the past 10 years, we've lived with these budget caps, which also had become the target or the floor, right, because ultimately Congress appropriated to the caps level. We don't have a cap. We also don't have a floor. And so the question of what number will you submit, that would be fine if we didn't have the time pressure on us, which is the third element that comes into play. Not only are we already into February, and so we've only got seven and a half months left in the fiscal year, but on August 1st, we have a return of the debt ceiling. And debt ceilings are often postponed by the Treasury Department's extraordinary measures but nobody has a good track record of what extraordinary measures look like when we've got $3 trillion a year deficit spending. And so it may be that the Treasury Department can't buy that much time. So there's a lot of time pressure at the back end on the Congress and time pressure at the front end because there's nothing submitted. This is really important to contractors because people tend to, programs tend to slow down their obligation if they don't know how much money they're getting next year or when they're going to get it. And so we're watching those obligation rates and the award of new contracts very closely. Yeah, the real nitty-gritty of governing yet, I think, hasn't quite sunk in to the the new team yet. It takes a while to get your feet on the ground. And a final question, what about vaccinations of contractor personnel? What's your sense of how the industry is going there? Because I haven't heard of any state. I was just corresponding with a cousin in Washington state who says it's a big as much a mess out there as it is in the Delmarva area. Well, certainly we know and, that in New York and everywhere else we've heard about. Right. E- even the best performing states uh, don't have a lot of their uh, citizens vaccinated yet. Right. And, and the question that you have for contractors is who is an essential worker? Back at the beginning of the pandemic, we had a memorandum coming out of the Department of Homeland Security's uh, Center for Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, had put out memorandums identifying that most government contractors would be essential workers and agencies like the Defense Department put out supplemental memos to do that. Uh, They've done similar activities this time, but it doesn't do you a lot of good to be next in line at your state level or your county level if the line is so long that you don't know when you're going to get to it. Vaccinating essential workers is, is obviously critical to having them be able to do their work, especially if they're not isolated at home and teleworking. And a huge chunk of the services contractors do have work that has to be done with touch labor or in classified facilities or in laboratories or somewhere where you can't do it remotely. So 
So this is a critical issue, how we're going to get those essential workers vaccinated. All right. Well, the same question, I guess, every American has. It makes the toilet paper shortage seem like a picnic. Uh, I don't know about that, but it certainly makes it uh, an important issue and and one that we've got to get our arms around better. David Berto is president and CEO of the Professional Services Council. As always, thanks so much. You're welcome, Tom. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you're sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.